When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From 2400 Sports, Odyssey, and Major League Baseball, this is the PBP Voices of Baseball. We bring you the people who bring you the game. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome into the PBP. This will be short and sweet because this episode and this week is about the great Pat Hughes. I saw Pat the other night in the booth and I made the joke as I'm going to be filling in for him this weekend. Pat, I just hope to not burn the house down. But the truth is that Pat Hughes, for me and for millions of others, is a paragon of excellence and stands for everything that we love about baseball play-by-play. The calm, the good nature, the curiosity, the pacing, the friendly, welcoming vibe. This weekend on Cubs Radio, as we all do our part to fill in, is in service of Pat's accomplishment as the winner of the Ford C. Frick Award going into the Hall of Fame on Sunday. Folks, the first two recipients of this award in 1978 were Mel Allen and Red Barber. That's the company Pat Hughes is joining, deservedly so. Our conversation began with me explaining to him what this whole thing is all about. So this is the PBP, Voices of Baseball. And as I have talked about, I was a kid who grew up wanting to do this more than anything. Thank you to Ken Coleman and Joe Castiglione on the old Red Sox broadcasts. A little bit of Bob Starr mixed in there. Um, Phil Rizzuto and Bill White on WPIX-TV. Little Harry Callis on 1210 AM out of Philly. Those were the voices that made me want to do it forever. And then at age 50, I get this odd chance to do it. And along the way, I've gotten incredible advice from some wonderful, wonderful play-by-play broadcasters. And now the mission of the podcast is to share that with you and and pull as much blood as I can from the stone. So um, with that, what an honor to talk to the Hall of Famer himself, the man going in this year as the Ford C. Frick Award winner to Cooperstown. It is the great Pat Hughes of Cubs Radio. Pat, thank you for the time. How are you? Man, I'm doing fine. Uh, it still sounds almost surreal to hear uh, that I am a Hall of Famer. Not quite yet, not officially, but I'm looking forward to the day in July when I will be inducted. It's It's a great thrill. And I'm still kind of getting used to it. Well, I, I, I'm i glad it feels that way. Um, it, it should feel that special. And, you know, it, it's always nice when somebody who's so good at it and so heralded at it is also so incredibly kind. And you've been incredibly kind to me, which has mattered more than you know. Um, but I've always heard that about you from just about anybody. Um, so I guess... I, I, I guess look, I have a bunch of questions I, w- I want to ask you, but that that idea of sort of kindness and warmth and welcome 
um, in the booth. It could be an intimidating place up there on press row. You're walking around and certainly, you know, um, downstairs when people are taking batting practice. Um, did you learn that kind of warmth or kindness or welcome from anybody along the way? Or is that just you that you're bringing to the atmosphere? I would say, Matt, that it goes back to uh, my family. When I was a kid, my parents were both educators. My father was a college professor. My mom was a, an elementary school teacher before she met my dad, and they had five kids. I was the middle of five. So they were very kind and sweet people, and they always treated other people well. And I'm sure that I got a lot of that from them. And then I started getting into the business, and I realized it, this is a tough business. It is cutthroat. It is extremely competitive. There are very few cherished jobs available. So, you know, just try to be a good guy. That, that goes a long way toward a lot of things in life. Just simply be humble, listen to the other person, try to have empathy for what he or she is going through and what their life is all about. And it's not all about me. It never is all about me. Um, my current situation is almost ideal with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman in the booth every day. Uh, Mitch Rosen is our boss at the radio station. Wonderful. Uh, Crane Kenny at the Cubs, the president of business operations, has been tremendous to me. Tom Ricketts, uh, the owner, they give me complete freedom to do whatever I'm going to do every single day on Cubs radio. So I have so much to be thankful for, Matt. That's another reason that I feel like giving that back to others. Well, that's um, that's appreciated. That's for sure. Um, so along the way, I've written down all kinds of things, Pat, uh, and I have a little uh, a little section of my notes where play-by-play -play mantras. And I realized um, as I'm getting ready for this conversation with you that one of them I got from you, which I believe you got from Ernie Harwell. So would, would you share would you share that, what a play-by-play -play broadcaster needs to have? He said a good baseball announcer should have four things. He should have the reflexes of an athlete. He should have the impartiality of an umpire. He should have the enthusiasm of a fan, and he should have the background knowledge of a writer. And those are pretty good foundation blocks to start with. Now, there are so many layers to play-by-play, -play, Matt, that that's just kind of something to introduce the topic of, of conversation. I think the key thing about baseball announcing uh, would be practice. If you want to get good, practice and start practicing at as young of an age as possible and do as many games as you can, and not just play-by-play, -play, do interviews, do sports reports, do whatever. And I think also when young people want to go into the broadcast business, they may have a talent that they're not even aware of. They might be a great director or a producer or a writer. So there are a lot of ways to make a living and a very good living uh, in the world of broadcasting and in the world of sports. Um, so th those are just some of the thoughts that I wanted to share as we begin our conversation. Yeah, you know, I, I, that's, I definitely agree. And I've told interns in a talk show format, do everything, learn how to do anything and everything, say yes to as many opportunities as possible because you never know what realm of, of the business um, you might find. Um, is there a play-by-play -play broadcaster that you admired in your youth, Pat? Somebody that you grew up hearing and said, boy, that's a sound I'd like to inhabit someday. 
Yes, and there have been so many, Matt, not just one. Uh, I was lucky enough. In fact, as you say that, it's ironic. I've just been writing my speech for Cooperstown, which is agonizing. I want to share with you. It's exciting and exhilarating, but also extremely difficult because of the limitations. They want to keep your speech to between 10 and 12 minutes. That, that's going to be a challenge. It takes me some days on Cubs radio, 10 minutes to give the umpires and the starting lineups. But <laughs> get, getting back to um, uh, the original question here, influences, yes. And I've been writing that portion of the speech, the men who have influenced me, and it's a very long list, but just to kind of cut to the chase and get to the primary influences. When I was a kid, Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons were the great Giants radio broadcasting tandem. And when you're 10 years old, Matt, and you hear guys, you think, these are the greatest announcers who have ever lived. Well, it turns out both Russ and Lon are Hall of Fame announcers. They were two of the greatest announcers who ever lived. Uh, from there, as a kid, we could listen to Vin Scully at night. He did the Dodger radio and TV, but we could pick up Dodger radio, KFI, 640 AM. I still remember it. And don't ask me why you couldn't hear that radio station in the daytime. I think it had to do with uh, frequency and the number of radio stations that had transmitters turned on, possibly. I'm not an expert in this category, but you could only hear Dodger radio when the sun went down. So we would listen to Giants games in the day. We would listen to Dodger games at night. We played baseball every single day. Uh, it was an obsession with me, baseball. And then I wanted to be a player, but I figured at some point when I was in high school, uh, even though I was a pretty good athlete and played on all kinds of championship teams and have great memories to this day, I realized I was not going to have enough skill and talent to play big league baseball or NFL football or NBA basketball. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought at that point, the next best thing would be to try to be a play-by-play -play man. And all these years later, Matt, I, I still feel it is the second best way to go through life if you're not going to be a superstar athlete. It's as close as you can get to the genuine article, right? <laughs> Without actually being yeah. down there. Yeah. Uh, on the field, you know, as 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 you say, Russ and and certainly Vin, who I think a lot of uh, our listeners were lucky enough to experience because he went so long. There was a calm that came out of the radio or the TV for Vin that very much comes out for you. And I've always tried to think about this. It's 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 difficult to describe this kind of pervasive sense of calm, um, and, and and it's so welcoming and warm for this companion sport where we're together for six months uh, of the year. So I wondered if that calm that, that emanates from you, Pat, is something that you thought about at any point, if it, or if it's just part of how you do it, there's so much mechanics going on underneath that, but what the listener feels is that calm. I think experience, Matt, that's the first word that comes to mind. Experience has a lot to do with how relaxed you might sound on the air. And I've done over 6,000 big league games. I did five years of minor league ball. I've been broadcasting baseball for 46 seasons. So I think after a certain point, you do feel very much at home when you're on the air. So perhaps that's where the calmness comes from. But getting back to the influences just for a moment, uh, I mentioned Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons and Ben Scully. Those are just three. Uh, Marty Brenneman, when I lived in Ohio, he was an influence. Bill King, the great 
radio play-by-play man, a legend in the Bay Area, football, basketball, baseball. He is the greatest all-around radio play-by-play man in the history of our country, in my opinion, and no one else is even close. Uh, Bob Costas has been an influence, and I was just writing a little passage. I think really in the last half century, every single sports announcer in one way or another has been influenced by both Ben Scully and Bob Costas in one way or another. Mm, That makes sense. Um, Pat, what is the perch when you sit up there, as you have now for 6,000 games, is so special. What is something about baseball that you can see or sense from sitting up there that you wish the fans could see or, or sense? Well, I try to tell them what I see. That's part of the job of a play-by-play man, to put into words what you are seeing so that you can allow them in their imagination to see what is happening at the ballpark. I always try to remember the weather. Ernest Hemingway said when he was writing, always remember the weather. Everyone can always relate to that. So that's part of it. Is it sunny? Is it cloudy? Is it cold? Is it hot? Is it humid? Is it breezy? Is the wind going to be a big factor today? So uh, it's just a matter of of seeing uh, the ballpark. And, you know, is it a, is it a small park? Is it a big park? What, how about the crowd? Is it a place where the crowd plays a big role? Um, so it's the whole environment. And then you have Ron Coomer to your left. If you're me, you have Zach Sademan in the booth too. And they chime in with their thoughts and their feelings. And uh, sometimes they'll say something and it'll spark a little conversation for a minute or two. But um I don't know. I try to bring the people into the ballpark. If if they're listening in, say, Springfield, Illinois, and I'm broadcasting at Wrigley Field, I want them to feel like they're almost sitting in the ballpark at Wrigley. Hmm. Pat, is there there an item, a specific item that you like to have with you in the booth, be it a good luck charm, a talisman, or just something specific that helps you get the job done that is fairly unique to yourself, as far as you know? Not really. I I think, um, you know, we do have quirks and we do have little idiosyncrasies and uh, you get into certain habits. I have a blue pen and a red pen, both flare pens that I write down the lineups. The Cubs are always in blue, cubby blue. The opponent, no matter who they are, they're always in red. So I put the visitor on the left side of my book and the home team on the right side. Then I fill in the umpires. I fill in the defensive charts. And then over on the right side of my scorebook, I have um, a blank uh, lane. And I put in topicals, things that I may or may not get to during the course of the broadcast, things I can talk to Ron Coomer about. Uh, Maybe something happened yesterday in Pittsburgh, and I want to bring it up tonight because the Cubs are going to play the Pirates this weekend. Or maybe last night in Seattle, some guy flirted with a no-hitter until the ninth inning, uh, or whatever it is. And and Ron Coomer, what would it be like for you to hit in these conditions here in Cincinnati, for example, tonight? It's going to be a nice warm night in Ohio, so maybe I'll bring that up to Ronnie. Um, So I I almost try to read about, obviously, the Cubs games, but the teams that the Cubs are going to be playing in the next week or so, I kind of focus on them. I love baseball history. If it becomes an 11-to-1 game in the fifth inning, Matt, 
unlike a fan, you can't just walk away and say, I think I'll come back tomorrow. No, you have to keep going. You have to do whatever you can to keep your audience listening and hopefully entertain. And that's when my old basketball announcer, Al McGuire, put it well. We were doing a game between Marquette and Charlotte one day. And Marquette got off to a terrible start in Charlotte. It was like 31 to 4. Uh, Charlotte was leading after four or five minutes. We go to a commercial break and Al says, well, Pat, time to go to plan B. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of plan B in play-by-play announcing. You, you have to do whatever you can. You tell stories, you have fun, and you just soldier on as well as you can. That's amazing. So, so many years with Ron Santo, uh, Pat, uh, you know, Al McGuire doing basketball and now Ron Coomer. There's, Ted, tell us a little bit about that, that partner relationship, because having been fortunate enough at this point, I think I've done 11 innings stretched out over 11 games, Pat, and um, with, with Ron Coomer and boy, I, even I felt supported knew that if I just the other day I, I got confused for a moment and he he gave me the one in one count with the fingers because he knew that I was a little staggered just for a moment. There's there's a trust there with you as a partner that that is special that, that people should try and, and understand. Well, well, plus Ronnie was a big Cowboys and Indians fan. So in the video, <laughs> they did a lot, Matt. So that could have been what he was doing there. Yes. But in a to the guys we've already mentioned, I also spent 12 years with Bob Euchre on Milwaukee Radio. He was a big influence. And Harry Carey. I worked some ball games with Harry in my first two years here. So you put 15 years with Ron Santo, 10 with Ron Coomer, wow. five with Al Meyer, Euchre, and Carey. And it, it really is uh, my fate and my fortunate fate, I think, to have worked with so many iconic figures in American sportscasting history. What What's the difference when you're working with another play-by-play guy like Uke and, and, and like Harry? Well, in the case with Euchre, he was the first ex-big league ball player that I worked side-by-side with for every single day. And we worked 12 years together. And you get to the booth early. You're there about two hours before the game. Then you have, say, about a three-hour game. So, Matt, that's five hours a day times seven days a week, times six months a year, you're talking about hundreds of hours, if not thousands, where I was just listening to Bob Euchre, listening to him discuss how a catcher, for example, works with a pitcher to try to get a batter out, what pitch might work in a certain situation, what ball players are thinking at certain intervals during a ball game. That's a valuable thing to learn for a guy that was a, I was, a, again, I was an amateur athlete. I, I thought that I knew a lot until I started working with somebody who played big league ball. And when you think about Euchre, he played in the National League in the 1960s. And if there's a golden era in big league ball, it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find more superstar players just in, in uh, the 60s. Think of the, the, the team I followed at that time, the Giants and the Cubs. The Cubs had... Ron Santo, Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Fergie Jenkins. The Giants had Gaylord Perry, Juan Marichal, the great Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Orlando Cepeda. Those guys are all Hall of Famers. Hmm. And, and I used to tell people that when you were 11 years old, as I was in 1966, and you saw a doubleheader at Candlestick Park, 
You could have seen all nine of those guys if the pitching rotations worked out just right. Imagine watching nine Hall of Fame baseball players in one day at the ballpark. No wonder I fell in love with baseball at a young age. And see, listen to you. I, I, um, I'm trying to get in there and think about the mechanics of working with you. And what you remember is listening and learning from him. Um, that curiosity, maybe from the father who was a professor or from, you know, whatever it is, but that, that curiosity is still there, that, that desire to learn and bring in the information. And you have to do that for, for game prep every day. Uh, don't you like, it's constantly bringing in more and more information, no matter how long you've done it. Sure. And, and Matt, you're a, you're a reader. You're a very bright man as well. You love to learn. That's been really a lifelong love of mine. I love reading the morning newspaper and then going online and finding out what happened. I read baseball news every single day. It's fun to come across a nugget when you are reading and think, I'm going to share this with Ron Coomer and the audience tonight. They're going to like this. We might even get some laughs out of this. Or here's something interesting that I didn't know. I, I just have that, that uh, desire for the acquisition of knowledge. And I think that comes from my mom and dad. Uh, my dad, we used to laugh at him. Again, he was a college professor and we'd bring our school books home. Uh, he would pick up our school books and read them for fun. And my brother would say, my brother would say, dad's reading the history book for fun. What's with him? But now that I'm, now that I'm a certain age, I understand that he just loved learning and it was a, uh, he would go to the library and always have a big arm full of books. And, um, you know, you do become your parents at some point. I, I, I share that with you. The, my wife makes fun of me for going down a curiosity rabbit hole again and again and again, whatever it is that comes up. Um, uh, Pat, tell us a moment that you loved in the booth that we could go and pull and listen to. First thing that comes to your mind, I know there's a million, just something that makes you smile when you think about it from the booth. The first thing, Matt, would be the final out of Game 7 of the 2016 World Series. Uh, it's a moment that has been unmatched, and I was frightened, I was exhilarated, but unless you've been in a situation like that where you know the Cubs are going to be in the World Series. They had a great year. Uh, they win the pennant. That was a special moment. Then getting into the World Series and then being in Game 7 and the ups and downs of that tremendous final game. And then it's like a four-hour ball game, and it's the 10th inning, and finally I get a chance to say... A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time! And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout, jumping up and down like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The Cubs have done it. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over, and the celebration begins. It's a moment I will never forget. Um, it's not by any means, it's not the greatest baseball call that's ever been made. It was the biggest moment of my career. And um, it was it was exciting, 
but I'm not sure I'd want to do that every single day. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. And I, I had the good fortune of standing behind you at that moment in that press box. I have a video. I don't know if I've ever shared it with you, but I've got the video from over your shoulder and Ron Coomer's shoulder at that moment. It's um, it, it, it obviously it's singular and it's and it's spectacular. I um. I always think of you when I think of Sammy Sosa in 1998 because the proverbial driveway moments, Pat, I, I had those in my car in Bucktown in Chicago where I would pull in and I didn't want to get out of the car and there was no DVR. There was no way that I could pause the TV or know that I could go in and record it. I had to stay with you. Um, and and that, that must have been remarkably special, that month of July where we hit 21 homers in July or is it 20? Either way. 20 June, 20 in 1998, the most by any big leaguer in any single month in baseball history. It was it was very special. And then he hit 60. He hit number 60 at Wrigley. It was a Saturday afternoon in September. And I think I said something like Sammy joins the babe. And uh, then he uh, hit 61 and tied Maris. And uh, and then he hit. Uh, Oh, I, um, he hit 62 and 63. And uh, I, I thought really that when he hit number 66 on the final Friday night of the regular season down in Houston, that that might be it. But then Mark McGuire would go ahead and hit number 66 about an hour later. Mm. McGuire hit two more on Saturday, two more on Sunday to finish with the unfathomable total of 70 but it was exciting and <clears throat> now <clears throat> you know you look back and um uh there's there's the steroid story and there's performance enhancing drugs i still don't know exactly what each man did but it's pretty obvious that they both did something but at the time it was real and it was undeniably exciting at the time and um so when you hear those calls you're really kind of oblivious to the steroids and the performance enhancing drugs you're you're very much in tune with the drama and the history of the moment pat hughes um could talk to you for for hours um let let me let me close with with this you've already given so many good nuggets but is there i want to ask for the best piece of advice you ever got in a in a couple of parts if that's possible i guess first mechanically in terms of actually doing the game whether it's keeping score or prepping or setting yourself up what is a what is a great piece of advice you got in terms of the mechanics of doing the job that you do i would say practice matt that's the word that always comes back the more games you do the more comfortable you will feel um baseball announcing is full of transitions pitch to pitch batter to batter um just you know finishing one at bat and then transitioning into the next. Here's a bouncer to short, picked up by Davis. He'll throw to Smith, and that's out number one, and it brings up Thompson or whomever. So, you know, here's the pitch, a little bit low and outside for a ball, 1-0 on Rizzo, and then you kind of pause for a little. Um, But I think working with a partner is important too, making sure to tap into the knowledge of your Uh, the person you're sharing the booth with, that's important. Practice and experience play such a huge role. Um, And if you think it's easy, um, you're going to be wrong because it's, it's not easy. It is so easy to make mistakes. You have to have total concentration. 
Once you feel your mind start to wander, that's when you can get in trouble as a baseball announcer. Again, we all make mistakes. The idea is to try to keep them to a minimum and try to have fun, try to be yourself. That's an important thing, too. Whatever quirks and uh, idiosyncrasies you have as a person, that should come out on the air. Um, and again, the more games you do, the more comfortable with you are in sharing all of those quirks. That, so, the, 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 trans, the transitions is a really good note and a good thought. I'm thinking about the inning I just did the other day. When an out ends, do I set up the next batter? Because then that leaves time for Ron or for anyone to say anything for us to go anywhere. The listener is not out there waiting. Wait, who's up? What's going on? You have to finish that thought and set up the next action, don't you? That's right. That's right. And, and each pitch, try to frame it. Um, we all tell stories, but if you can try to, uh, I would say, interrupt your story for the pitch. Uh, you might be talking about Sammy Sosa hitting all those home runs in 1998. Meanwhile, <clears throat> there's, there's a ball game going on and the next offering, it's low and away for ball two. And then Sosa the next day hit another home run. Yeah. And then you come back to the action. So that there's uh, that takes a lot of experience to be telling a story and doing play by play at the same time. Um, it's almost as if <clears throat> you are interviewing a guest in the booth and doing play by play. Mm. Uh, you have to have some continuity with the conversation, but you can't leave the radio audience out in the cold. You have to let them know what's going on. So, um, Matt, there's there's so many layers to it. Uh, it's it's um, an exhilarating thing to do. It's a fun thing to do. It's an unbelievable way to go through life, mm -hmm. but not, it's not easy. It's never been easy. And then uh, and then the second part of the advice, and you've kind of already talked about it in terms of an overall career. You've talked about curiosity and you've talked about kindness. And those those certainly are some guiding principles. Anything else in terms of just overall having a lasting career for someone? <laughs> I would say do your work, uh, be focused, uh, keep your head clear, uh, try to uh, remember the audience at all times, remember the sponsors, remember the people you work for. You're working for the Cubs, you're working for the radio station, they've all got their needs and, and their uh, priorities, so make sure that the audience uh, is is happy. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of people you have to... Um, you know, have to serve if you want to put it in that manner. Um, but it's um, uh, it's it's a fun thing. Baseball is a fun thing. Sports are a fun thing. They are an escape of life. And I, I try to tell people sometimes I feel like the goal is to provide some escapism from real life. Um, that's what sports are. You get away from your troubles. You want to watch a ball game. You just want to have fun for a couple of hours. And I try to provide some of that. Pat Hughes, you're the best Hall of Famer with good reason. Thank you so much, sir. You're very, you're very welcome, man. We'll do it again. Pat Hughes allowing us to escape to him and baseball with the Cubs every single day. So much good stuff in there. The curiosity. He has endless curiosity, and you heard where it comes from. His father reading his school books for fun. For fun. 
That Ernie Harwell nugget he mentioned about four minutes into the interview, the reflexes, impartiality, enthusiasm, background knowledge I've thought about so, so much. Um, you know, it, it's just incredible. I'm so thrilled for Pat and obviously thrilled to get a chance to do the three games I'm doing this weekend. And you can hear those games, the Cubs Cardinals series on the Cubs radio network. You can listen on the MLB at Bat app locally in Chicago via the Odyssey app or, of course, on good old 670, the score. But I've been working really hard to try and be really good at it this weekend because why bother otherwise of course and also you know i'm interested i'm passionate but i realized also for two reasons one is that i want to make pat proud because i appreciate him more than he knows that goal of mine to make him proud and respect what he has brought and still brings to the booth and the job and the other is to make the most of it to try to be the best i can be so i don't offend the sensibilities of anybody listening who would kill to do it but never will get the chance because that's where i was three years ago so my goodness if there's going to be people out there listening who are like man i wish i could do that i feel you i hear you and that's why i'm going to try to do my very best all week to be great at this next week an incredible story Imagine being 56 and having done minor league baseball for 30 years and you give up on the dream and then it actually comes through. Johnny Dosco of the Oakland A's broadcast team will join us. An incredible story. We'll explain it. And I think you'll love the conversation. Remember that my producer on the PBP Voices of Baseball is Ryan Porth. Thanks for the great job as always, Ryan. My collaborator is James Vickery. The theme music comes from the great Kurt Morrison of Tributosaurus. You can find the PBP Voices of Baseball on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts from 2400 Sports, Odyssey, and Major League Baseball. The PBP Voices of Baseball. I'll bring you the people who bring you the game. <laughs> <laughs>